here's to courageous pioneers who understand a legacy is multifaceted. Welcome to our Legacy Planning Podcast, a podcast for leaders and visionaries of all ages. Whether you are an independent entrepreneur or someone who is part of a family business, you too can leave something of value behind for a greater purpose. Perhaps your legacy will improve workplace cultures, seize authentic moments, or inspire others with your talent. Your host, Angelina Carlton, is the founder of Design Your Legacy, a boutique advisory firm based in Beverly Hills, California. She is a mentor and coach to leaders like you and has contributed to Alliance, a philanthropy magazine, as well as to women in family business. She has been recognized by Los Angeles Biz as an LA woman of influence, as well as by World HRD Congress for her work. Remember, you deserve great coaching because your legacy is worth completing. Good morning. My name is Angelina Carlton. This morning, I'm joined by Matteo Chang. So for a little bit of background, Matteo is an MBA consultant and a branding and business specialist. In the MBA world, he walks students through their application journey and prepares them for the final stretch of the process, the MBA interview. He has a full and free online interview prep course available for all MBA hopefuls on his website, www.mateocheng.com forward slash MBA prep. On the branding and business strategy side, Mateo helps companies either make their transition into the digital market or to improve their online connections and conversations with their clients. His firm also includes client services such as web app development, content production, and marketing setup. Currently, he is on the board of advisors of two mid-sized companies and is nearing the launch of two of his own startups. Welcome, Mateo. Hi, Angelina. Thanks for having me. Uh, hey, everyone watching. Uh, how, you, how is everyone doing? That's uh, definitely an, a pleasure to be here with you all today. Yes, I'm delighted to have you join. I had crossed paths, I believe, I believe because of your online presence, speaking about legacy and how that question about legacy is now coming up with MBA interviews and so on and so forth. And then we had connected and you're all the way in Brazil. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, you in... go ahead. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. I'm in I'm in Sao Paulo, Brazil now, uh, but I'm usually uh, back and forth uh, from the, with, you know, back and forth in the US and Brazil. Uh, so depends on where my business uh, or businesses take take me. Yeah, it's very exciting. And you've also had your own uh, podcast in Portuguese, as well as your own YouTube channel. I just would you like to start there and, and we'll We'll kind of talk about a couple of different topics today. Sure. Uh, yeah. So a while back, it's, this it feels like so long ago. Yeah, I had a, a I do have like a an online um, prep course and and YouTube and podcast show. I haven't done that for a few years, just because you know life happens and. And COVID happened and <laughs> well, yeah, it's actually not even more. It was more about, you know, just uh, having to prioritize opportunities. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I have like English versions of some shows and then Portuguese versions uh, of, of, of different focuses. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was always uh, a pleasure to be able to uh, distribute content, uh, to give out tips and, and just try to help, people looking for it and it was a great way to connect with uh, people that I would have I wouldn't have otherwise met I mean you know it's just the it's just the it's the convention uh, the digital version of a convention or uh, uh, you know one of those events that you would go to to network and uh, yeah it's been a blessing it's it's opened many doors for me so it's it's definitely something that uh, uh anyone can do and if possible should yeah um so you grew up in LA and you know how to speak three languages so will you break the ice there regarding kind of where you started and then I'll, I'll jump into some of the the questions that I've written down that are legacy related. sure 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 uh yeah well okay so I was born in Sao Paulo Brazil so my nationality is Brazilian I grew up in LA California uh, most of my life. Uh, my parents are South Koreans. Uh, my first name is more common in Italian, in, in Italy. 
my last name is much more common in China. And uh, uh, I'm a Japanese food addict. So just, you know, just to start there, I've already started. Yeah, yeah. It's a, just a blender of, of cultures and emotions and, and things, which is great. I think it's, uh, uh, it's good because of my desire. When I was young, I had always wanted to find my identity and figure out who I was. Uh, I don't think I still figured it out, but the journey of it, to, of discovering uh, new things, not only about myself, but about what I can bring and impact the, um, to the people that I interact with, it's, 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 it's uh, gratifying. Um, yes. Yeah. And, I, and I like that you don't take yourself too seriously in that. On, yeah. On your Instagram page, you're jumping out of airplanes and skydiving and dancing <laughs> and rapping and just enjoying life to the fullest, just just pure happiness. And that's just magnetic. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Just trying to keep it. I don't, you know, it's, I, I, the, both, my, both my businesses, which, which are focused on consulting are extremely uh, uh, intellectual and also stressful at times, very serious. You know, we're talking about, you know, in NBA admissions, we're talking about a candidate's future. Absolutely. In, in, yeah. And in business and branding strategy, we're talking about a company's successful future. So, yeah, I mean, when we're there, you have to take it seriously. But anywhere outside of those two areas, then I want to make sure that uh, uh, I'm living life as uh, as excitingly and as, as fun, as you know, self-gratifying way possible. I mean, just enjoy yeah. it. You got to enjoy it. I mean, if you don't enjoy it, then why are we doing this, you know? Absolutely. There are times to, to, to take the tie and make it all, you know, formalized. And then there's other moments where you just have to laugh and enjoy life because that's why we're here. And we're, we're here for just a blink of an eye and then it's done. Totally agree. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so you've shared about the languages that you speak. So one of the things that I also thought was very interesting about your background is that you teach English as a second language. So is that common in Brazil that, Brazilians will need to improve their uh, spoken and written English in order to attend American universities or fill me in from your perspective. Yeah, actually, uh, I began my career uh, when I came back to Brazil in the year 2000. Um, I began by teaching English, to, you know, ESL uh, to, you know, children, university students, and even executives. And it was in that executive side where I started to realize that I had a certain knack for helping executives kind of uh, um, sneak their way through a professional interview. Okay. And over the many years that I, I, I helped them understand what the companies were looking for and kind of, I mean, I just to figured guide out- guide them. Yeah, I mean, I just figured out that, that you know, you can, you can cheat an interview. Uh, okay. It's a broken system, I think. Uh, you can. You so can, tell me about this, because this is. Yeah. It, it, so did, did you get the cliff notes, or I don't know if there's cliff yeah. notes in Brazil. <laughs> well, the, uh, let's just say that you can, you can, you can um, figure out the questions they're going to ask. Not just figure out the questions they're going to ask, but you can paint a, a, a picture of yourself in forty minutes, mm -hmm. um, and just basically kind of how do you say. Not tr I wouldn't say trick the interview, but sort of hack it, hack the system, find different ways that you can kind of uh, get through. And I've actually, I actually took up a bet one time against an executive student of mine. He was like, All right, I want to see if you can get past in my, well, in my current company's interview process, I'm going to ask them to interview you. And, and, and I did, uh, even though I did not have the qualifications that they were looking for or the resume, you know, and whatnot. And uh, he, he found it interesting because I said, you know, most of the times you are still dealing with people. You're talking to a person. And uh, um, the lasting impression that's going to stay is not actually what was on your resume. It's, it's, the, it's the gut feeling that that person has about you on the way back because that's what will ultimately become uh, uh, the driving force behind him or her ending uh, your case ahead of the decision makers, you know, no, no, I think this guy's gonna be a great team player. You know? Interesting. So these are the things that, 
Yeah, yeah. So do, yeah. do you think, and this is, we're going off script here, which is great. I know, so, totally. Yeah. So do you think that's telling them what they want to hear? Or do you think that is understanding the, the core values of the company? Or is it just reading the, the, the interviewer that moment? All of the above. Interesting. Yeah, all of the above. It's a mix of things. I mean, it's just interaction with people. Being a cool cat, right? Being nice, you know, just okay. being genuine. Okay. Uh, but being able to answer things in manners that um, that that allows the person to get a sense of who you are, even if you are just talking about some sort of uh, impact that you can have or an impact that you had on your previous, you know, project. Um, so there are many things like, okay, so. So that's like a shortcut. So, cause I wouldn't call that cheating. I would call it like, um, you're, you're like understanding, you know, you know, what is really needed compared to like, and, and, but what words would you give it? <laughs> I just, I call it kind of, you know, uh, uh, hustling your way in, you know, okay. just kind of making sure you can, uh, uh, and it's just in the end, in the end, this is doing the best you can, but let me give you an example. But, but you're, so but you're right. Of- people are people. People are people. Yeah. And we never master people until we have to, but please go ahead. Yeah. So just to give you an example, um, a lot of times, you know, either ad com uh, admissions uh, interviewers or even professional interviewers, you know, they'll ask you something like, yeah, is there anything you want to, you know, you want to ask me? And the, one of the great, the greatest questions when you can use this um, in a school setting, for example, if you're talking to an alumnus, the best mm-hmm. question ever is just asking them, what do you miss the most? Is that and it's, the- it's, 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 it's the, the biggest difference is it's the same exact question as asking, yeah, so what did you like the most? But it's really hard. It's really different because when you ask what you like the most, okay. uh, um, you know, the person just kind of, yeah, I liked everything about it. You, you get a generic answer. But when you say, what do you miss the most? You force that person to select one of the moments that really stood out for him or her. And in in that trigger word, that emotional trigger actually causes the person to kind of reminisce. Anytime you're in a situation, you're interacting, you have that person reminisce about you subconsciously. It it kind of puts you in that memory. Interesting. And we are emotional creatures. People buy emotionally. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This This was this was not, I mean, there's no scientific study about this. There's nothing, you know, this is just tested on a day-to-day basis, you know, uh, uh, trial and error. But have you ever noticed when you're talking to somebody and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, I just feel like I've known you forever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Usually, yes. Usually right before there was some sort of emotional trigger moment, you know, that was going on in the conversation. And that's something that uh, you could actually use to really do well on a date. <laughs> interesting. And, and it's interesting. I know sales when they mentioned, uh, when you just mentioned a moment ago about like, you know, whether you walk up to somebody at a bar and it's the same thing as in business settings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Cause people are people, which is interesting yeah. because, uh, you know, they say everything we should have learned, you know, we learned in recess, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So when, you know, it went in a professional setting, depending on the position that you're, you're interviewing for with the interviewer, you know, um, you know, a question that you can kind of, you can kind of shape the same, same style in is, you know, if you're talking to them, I would just say something like, you know, well, you know, I have a curiosity. Well, how, what do you miss the most from when you were in the same process that I'm going through interviewing for companies, you know? Yeah. And then that's it. Then you got them. Cause they're going to be like, Oh, you know, I remember, you know, it was a struggle. And right there, what you do is you force that, you force a, a, an empathic connection. Yeah. And then, yeah. So this is kind of cheating the system in a way. Well, I think it, it goes to that statement. And I've mentioned it before on, on this video series about, and I'm not, I think it's John C. Maxwell. And I always kind of butcher the quote a bit, but it's people don't necessarily care what you know until they know that you care. So I think mm-hmm. by asking that question, it shows that that candidate is not just curious, but they, but they care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, nine times out of 10, you know, when that, when that HR person is, you know, in, in, in the uh, decision-making process with other HR members and they're looking at all the candidates, you know, you're going to end up standing out. And usually it's that little, it's that 8% that you stand out that really brings it down to, hey, we have like three people who are really good candidates. Which one of these three would be the best? Definitely the person that interviewed you will defend your, you know, defend uh, you being the, uh, the, her selection, his or her selection. 
because there's an emotional bonding moment right then and there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you've worked also with some pretty big name schools, MIT, Harvard, Columbia, Stanford, Stanford et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Which, we'll, which we'll get to in a moment. So do you think <laughs> they also are exuding a certain energy of, would you say confidence or authenticity, or would you call it relatability? The schools, you mean? Or... No, no, no. When a candidate goes in there and they're, they're sending out a vibe that like, you can trust me, or you know, I'm yes. a good team player. What, what would you yeah. call the vibe? Like confident, authentic, relatable? Depends on the school. Okay. Uh, and then again, that also depends on like the candidate's profile. So usually most admissions, uh, um, school admissions offices, what they'll do is when they select their candidates to interview, they'll you know, take it upon themselves to really understand the application, the journey that the students been been through, okay. and there select the questions that are best suited for that candidate. Most of the top schools do that. Okay. Uh, so a lot of the Harvard and Stanford questions are very specific to each candidate, and they differ from candidate to candidate. Oh, so I didn't it's the know candidates. That. Yeah, yeah, they're very different. I mean, it's different from like okay. So if you take Kellogg, who interviews everybody in an MBA setting. Okay. Uh, you know, they'll go through the core questions and then they'll have maybe one or two um, um, considerations that they'd like to understand a little bit more about them. But if it's MIT, Harvard, Stanford, any of the top three, top four schools, they're going to be much more candidate specific. So it's much more about self-awareness for those schools. Oh, it's, that's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's the key word is self-awareness, self-knowledge and self-awareness. They're going to go... They, they would yeah. go deep. They're going to dig deep into like, you know, Spiky. why, you made, a, why yeah. you made a specific decision on a specific project. Um, not to understand the results, but to understand how your mind processes yeah. uh, information, critical thinking, critical decision making. And also, you know, what you took out of it as a person, as a professional, what kind of insights mm -hmm. that it brought to you. So, yeah. Very Interesting. Cool I just want to share this because I just thought of this right now. When I was first in LA, this was been over 20 years ago. I had a temp assignment for a little while at Pepperdine University and their executive MBA program. And there was uh, the gentleman at that time, Christopher Montoya, he would interview executives all day long. And one of the quick key questions that he would ask is, okay, you're about to lay off, you know, 400 people at the factory in Mexico or, or wherever it is, you know, what do you think that moment? And he was either looking for an answer that was emotional, like, oh, it, it hit me in my heart. And I had a hard time uh, when I went home that night, eating my dinner and falling asleep because I thought about the futures of those families and who would be affected. And then the other type of executive would answer with a quantitative answer where there was like no emotion. <laughs> And what, yeah. I, and what I found interesting is Pepperdine University wanted the emotional answer. They wanted to hear that it wasn't just a number on a balance sheet or a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay, so let's take, take into consideration that most of the big businesses, big schools, we already know robots are coming. Yeah, which worries me, but right. keep going. <laughs> you know, robots are actually here. You know, like, you know, if you take it. If you take a look at Facebook, Instagram, all of the big social medias, the social media giants and search engine giants like Google and Apple, you know, they have, you know, very miniature sized robots in, in place, their algorithms, mm -hmm. you know, their, their, uh, um, it's just their intelligent, artificial intelligence systems all built into their software. They're already making the, you know, these calculations, this, this quantitative work, you know, just kind of putting a number on everything and understanding uh, uh, through those calculations, what, uh, how they can predict your marketing behavior. And so oh, interesting. So, so, I mean, it's definitely natural for schools to look towards something, what will keep us humane, what will keep us, you know. Because there needs to be a balance. There needs, oh, I mean, you know. Uh, there needs to be a balance, but I think the focus will be that. So what differentiates us from a machine that can do the same job 20 times better? Right. Well, it's that human aspect. It's like, all right, we're able to stop and think about, it. is it, you know, how will that affect the people around us and, 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 and be able to create different solutions that a, a self-thinking robot could not? Yeah, it, it's interesting because I don't know if a robot can think about the ripple effect if I yeah. make this decision, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. So that that'd be like a semantic network. You know what the the chain reactions uh, forming after a decision that a robot has made. I mean that time will come though. I mean artificial intelligence will exponentially improve. You know within the next twenty thirty years. I think. But yeah, and and it's interesting because I know that artificial intelligence right now with all those algorithms can decide which resumes are the most interesting. I'm not on the job market, but I hear about it from people who are friends and associates and so forth. And I find that to be very interesting because what if they choose the wrong word on their resume? Or what if they don't choose the right SEO search engine optimization keyword that would, yeah. would be the buzz or would be the, the, the word that will be the open door? Right, right. Um, but then that, the, again, and then you take a look at the, 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 this professional market, you know, a lot of the companies that use these types of systems to analyze uh, uh, a CV, and, and end up filtering out sometimes the wrong people. You know, maybe the right people were not selected because of the algorithm, just like you said. Yeah. But at the same time, one of the biggest problems in companies right now is re- talent retention. A lot of people are not wanting to stay in companies just because they want they don't want to they want to work for a company that you know wants to have a positive impact on people. The new generations are like that. They're not going to yeah. stick around a company who's just looking at numbers all day. So. Right. Interesting. Those are some very good insights. All right. Well, speaking about human generosity and positive impact, you decided to give your MBA course away for free. So tell me about this. What, what, what was the catalyst for this decision? Yeah, it's not as as altruistic as you might think, actually. I, I, I I created the uh, online course, uh, initially planning to, you know, uh, um, you know, charge for an online course, which I actually did for the first two years. It, uh, you know, you could purchase the online course package and then you'd get an hour of practice, uh, one-on-one practice with me through Skype at the time. Okay, okay. Zoom, Zoom hadn't entered the scene yet. Um, so this was in the year? Uh, this was about five years ago, I think. Okay, okay. Six, six or seven years ago. Yeah, about seven years ago. Okay. Uh, and then at the end of the second year, I realized, you know, I was like, okay, so um, I didn't notice any big difference in, in like change of income. I'm still doing the one-on-one classes, which I realized that I most enjoy doing is the one-on-ones, uh, this human interaction. And then I also noticed, okay, so in that second year, uh, about three or four students had come and asked me, you know, like, uh, do, you, do you have any free options you know just so i can get a few tips mm-hmm. and i realized all right okay so if what if i just throw this out there for free um because information it will become a commodity at one point i'll let people know uh, i mean if a student doesn't need a practice he's good enough to watch the videos uh, take down the notes and set up his own story uh using the methods that i teach then you know uh, more power to him uh and then if a student needs practice, then I'll just charge for the practice and not for, for the course. And okay. uh, so I set it out there for free and, it, you know, just hoping that uh, it helps people. Um, maybe people who don't even have, you know, it's funny because the MBA consulting world, it's very premium based. About 3% of all applicants worldwide uh, can afford premium consulting services. Yeah. It's a very niched market. Yes. yes. Yeah. You know, it's and it's not a it's not a very it's not a cheap way, but but they do. But I get a feeling that obviously the, the consulting students uh, they get an a, an advantage because they know what the schools are looking for. Um, whereas a student who doesn't have the money or the means to be able to uh, hire premium consulting services, they're kind of left on their own to figure it out on the way. Yeah, and I've seen students who are really good, who really deserved it, okay. not make it mainly because either something was rough, was off in their essays, you know, and, you know, they answered it in, not incorrectly, but not in a manner that the school was looking for. Yeah, and I call those blind just, spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and this in the same way, I've seen students who uh, I looked at and I was like, no way is X school gonna, I mean, totally off like off the average you know uh the only thing this kid had going for him was kind of like his last name and i was like there's no way he's getting into the school he got in and i was like okay, okay. 
Did he have so, relatives that also attended? Is that what you mean by the last name? Or no, let's just say he had a strong last name. There's a, a globally known last name. So okay, but no, no family members that were alumni. No, no family members that were alumni. Okay, um, okay. But but he had a prominent name, like a okay. family name. Okay. Uh, so so for for me, it was pretty sure that it was kind of like school wanted the that network. Yeah. And, and they are yeah. building networks because they also have their own self-interest. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So fine. I mean, who am I to judge, right? I mean, right, like, let, right. Them, let yeah. them do their thing. You know, it's kind of like if I gave out free consulting to somebody I thought that would be able to help me out with some, you know, I had some sort of mutual interest in, you know, so. Yeah. And I think that it's really good also that uh, you offer that practice, because I think a lot of the times people don't know how they come across. I think the term mm -hmm. is executive presence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I see a lot of catchy phrases there. I'm just, you know, in the end, I'm always just kind of like, yeah, you got to be yourself, you know. Right. Right. But be likable. And then here's right. how we here's how we take you and, and become likable, you know. And one of the things here, I'm going to tell you another story too. The very first time I decided to create this online course and I realized that these you know, students need to understand what, what it is that they need to, to have uh, um, in order to do well. It, I remember there was a student who was like this top engineer, one of the top engineers at, at, a, at a top university. You know, he, he almost, he got like, what was his GMAT score? It was like, it was an absurd number. It was like it was seven. pretty high. Yeah, it was high. It was, I think, it was high. It was high. It was one of the highest. He actually got uh, in, an interview invite from the top four schools. Okay. When he applied, you know, he was one of the first ones to get accepted for an invitation to, you know, they were, he was a, to get their invitations to to interview. Um, brilliant, brilliant guy. He was designing engines and for private jets and stuff. But then, you, you know, I sat down for the practice and it was just like I was talking to a wall. right? Because he hadn't developed his social skills or. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it was just very monotonous tone, no emotion there. I mean, like, and it was really hard to connect. Was he you know, boring? Was very, very, <laughs> very. I mean, it, more than boring, I would just say it was really hard to connect with them. You know, I was hey. having a hard time. Like, I was like, okay. And it was just very, very static. And I was like, all right, this, this is bad. So you got to bring the a, human out. You got to bring the human out. Yeah. Especially for the MBA interviews. Uh, not as much for professional interviews, but you have to be able to show like, you know, teamwork collaborations. More and more companies are looking towards people who have people skills. Uh, yeah. Which, yeah. Which is getting harder and harder nowadays because of the virtual world we all tend to live in. Yeah. You know, you, just in, you can be sitting at a dinner table with six friends and all seven of you are, are on their phones, which is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, which is fine. I don't look at that and condemn it. I think it's just a different way we can interact socially, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I think it's different. I think a part of yeah. it is also until somebody comes face to face with the need for those soft skills, they don't realize how valuable they are. Let me give you an example. Let's say in a crisis situation, it doesn't even have to be a big crisis, but it could be, um, um, you know, sometimes dealing with different personalities, I use the metaphor, it's like herding cats. And mm -hmm. that's when the social skills and the soft skills are of the utmost priority because mm -hmm. you want all these people to be able to work together. And yet if there's infighting, because one ego gets, you know, you know, out of sorts and someone else thinks this and you have to smooth all those feathers, get everyone on the same page, the same vision, the same mission, moving forward again. That's, um, you know, that's a skill all in and of itself regarding people skills, like what motivates them? How do you communicate? What are the best questions? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah in a cry, let's just say, you know, okay, in a crisis situation, it's, it's, it's very rarely you're going to have time to go into your, you know, your WhatsApp group and explain to everyone on your team through WhatsApp and people are going to be looking, they're going to be running for the doors. They're going to try to figure things out. So yeah, people skills are extremely, extremely important, uh, which is kind of like going against the tide of where society is. You get, you get people who like, 
it's, it's they have difficult time you know talking to somebody face to face they do uh yeah it's yeah, uncomfortable so, for them because it's unfamiliar yeah yeah. Well, yeah lack of practice you know and i totally get it you know there's so many introverts in the world and, it, and it's great but it, you have to find a way to communicate which is the most important thing and that's kind of how we go through a lot of the exercise and a lot of the things that we do is all right let's figure out how to communicate first then the rest will come along yeah. um when i was doing this interview practice with this you know engineering genius you know that's what i realized i was like this guy's not getting in he in fact did in fact not get into any of the schools okay uh which was a shame because it's just a you know brilliant brilliant guy yeah and that's when i was like all right well it's time to teach let's let's put this up and teach people that teach students that they can do they don't necessarily have to have the best scores yeah. but if they understand what they can bring to the table and what they need from the table then schools just might see the potential and accept them so yeah i was just going to make a joke for a moment and that student was steve jobs but i'm pop <laughs> in other words it, it it's yeah. it's not a a mark of failure on their life if they don't get into an mba program because maybe they're entrepreneurial you know endeavors might open other doors so i just wanted to to throw yeah. that out there yeah because i think a lot of the times like and i'm not going to touch upon this in a moment it's like the emotions that come that can come up with did did the school accept you know my application not which really translates to did they accept me or not and it becomes so personal yeah it tends to become personal but i mean it's one of those things too. I mean, uh, it's kind of what I told him. If you are, you are a, a pretty much a modern day genius in the sense that, you know, your brain just works at a different level. Um, it might be that the school also thought that there's not much else we can teach this guy, you know? Oh, and adding value. Yeah, maybe he's, you know, he's good enough to kind of make it on his own. Right. Uh, uh, without having to need an MBA, you know, for his future goals maybe they're just not aligned you know there's so many things that could go wrong but but yeah it's hard for them to not to take it personally it's really tough yeah, yeah. well because they worked so hard yeah one yeah. year of sacrifice of you know studying hard getting through proficiency tests and getting the recommendation letters out there and then the essays where you have to dig deep into your soul and figure out how to answer these very abstract questions and in in a limited word count right yeah it's a lot of sacrifice a lot of work for for getting a rejection but you know some students it stopped them from pursuing an mba uh dream other students you know i had a student of mine she she on her third year she got in she only applied to one school every year she wanted to get into chicago booth Okay. She applied, she didn't get in. She reapplied, didn't get in. She reapplied the third time. Well, she reapplied a second time, but, but her third time she applied and she finally got in. And I was like, you know, yeah, it all depends. Some people yeah. take rejection. People take rejection in different ways. Right. Either it makes them more determined or it could break their willpower. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure the school loved the fact that she was perseverant. Yeah. Or they were just like, you know, come on, just give her a, a seat already. <laughs> <laughs> She's not going to stop, man. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. 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 So do you think, here's a question I'd like to throw out. Do you think that these schools are preparing the students well enough these days, given the, the landscape that they're going to walk out on? And I know you're speaking more specifically to a master's program, which is an MBA, a master's in business administration, compared to an undergraduate degree, which might be more generalized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for MBAs, I think they're doing the best they can because of these programs, the size of these programs are much more, are much smaller, you know, you consider okay. a smaller speedboat, they, they're able to change directions very quickly, depending on uh, what's trending in the market, what's okay. really necessary, you know, for, and it also depends on like, what direction the, the students want to go after their MBAs. Um, for undergrad, though, I don't know. I don't know. I've recently been looking at a lot of the undergrad programs, students coming out of the undergrad programs, and it's just like they they walk out of with the college degree, not really knowing and not really knowing how to do much of anything, you know. Yeah. Um, 
you know so it depends on the industry too i mean okay sure you can go out get out of undergrad thinking all right i'm gonna start up i'm gonna start as a trainee in a in a in a financial firm financial you know financial company or an investment bank and then i'll work my way up and just be a career guy that's right. fine but what about the other ones that are like who want to be entrepreneurs they don't teach entrepreneurship in college i know, you know? that's it's like they don't, yeah yeah you can't teach it actually it's really hard to teach entrepreneurship it's just kind of get out there and get hit yeah and learn to yeah learn to how to how to uh, a jingle right to move with the music that's coming at you dance in the uh, moment yeah dance in the moment yeah i mean yeah. You know, there's there's different but then again like just basic business concepts you know even administration students you know business students coming out of business schools undergrads you know it's one thing to have the theory. It's another thing to actually run your own business. So yes. it's tough to say. Real entrepreneurs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think, I think there's always room for improvement. You know, uh, yeah. I really like the MBA format. But again, you know, if you look at the success of the students that come out of an MBA, is really, you have to kind of check like, okay, so how much of that was that student's ability to really capture the moment? And how much of that was like the help from the career services centers of the MBA schools, which are amazing. I mean, you have a team of people literally looking for a, the perfect position for you. And if I were to do an MBA, that's exactly what I'm paying for. It's like, all right, the tuition, uh, the education is great. The networking is going to make some amazing friends. We're going to be in high places in, in the near future. But that tuition money is going to that team whose yeah. sole job throughout those two years on a program is to find you a position that you are going to love and that really fits with you, right? And that's for me, I mean, some of the best schools that have the best career services centers end up having the best professional alumni. And I think that guidance matters, like in terms mm -hmm. of the structure and the framework. Like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think mentors are huge also. And, mm -hmm. and I think that guidance of, well, we think this position would be ideal and you'd add value to this position and it's, a, it's an all around win-win and they might have never known unless there was a team in the background that was looking out for them. Yeah, yeah. And then no it, yeah again, and that goes back to self-awareness. The student has to know if that position is indeed something that he's gonna really want, what are some of the obstacles that he is gonna face? If he doesn't know himself well, the Career Services Center, as much as they're are almost miracle workers that they're, they're, they can't help you if you don't know exactly what you want you might end yeah. up in a job that you're you know miserable in but right yeah so but hopefully that won't happen yeah yeah so most of the times it doesn't yeah most yeah. of the times they do they get it right so let's touch upon legacy so i was pleasantly surprised that this word is coming up in mba interviews so yeah. for a little quick background i had this idea about a decade ago of um where are the coaches and advisors coaching on the topic of legacy? And I looked out into the marketplace and I was like, oh, look, they're really not there. They're few and far between. And so I'm pleasantly surprised a decade later, it's now coming up in what I might call the collective consciousness. So why would schools care or please share your thoughts? Well, okay. So the first time I heard the legacy question was I think in 2017. Um, and the student came to me after the interview and he asked me, he's like, yo, Matt, how do I answer this question? What is my legacy? And for me, it's just comes down, it comes down to the basic question. Cause what, I mean, if you think about something, if you think about asking, if you ask anyone on the street, yo, what's your legacy? They're going to be like, what? Yes. It's yes. Really I've been hard. there. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to process that word legacy. Cause you know, right. anytime you have that, they're thinking about, I'm not some sort of a Greek God or a hero. I mean, what do you mean legacy? Right. Right. Not because they're legend. doing day-to-day -day survival, even if they're doing well. Yes. Yeah. So the easiest way to actually answer this question is to kind of uh, transform it into what they're actually looking for. And the actual, the underlying question is actually, what do you want to be remembered for? Yes. 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 You know, and that's it. What is your legacy? Uh, my legacy is that, you know, I want to how I want, I want to help a billion people uh, uh, build their businesses through my, you know, through my business entrepreneurship platform, for example, that would be an answer for a student looking to create his or her, her own platform. That would be their legacy is how they want to be remembered. You know, 
And then it makes it so much easier. They're like, oh. Which, yeah, which goes to that word that you had used before, self-awareness. Yep. Yeah. The other thing, and I've mentioned this before in this legacy series, um, the uh, um, element of self-worth also comes into play. It's, can I be remembered? Well, I thought I was just supposed to take whatever was dished out at me or, you know, whatever their influences were, how they were treated by their family growing up. I think a lot of that comes up, maybe more so for women than for men, but I still think there is an element of that self-worth conversation that happens internally in their landscape. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very generational. I mean, most of the people, most different generations grew up with different different ways that their parents interacted with them. Some generations and some, not on just generations, but you break it down into like regions and, and social classes, you know, for some students who never, who always grew up thinking like that they were never going to be, uh, how do you say, that they were never good enough. You know, it's really hard for, for them to answer this type of questions. It's like, what do you mean, you know? I never even thought I would get through college, let alone now I'm going for an MBA. And that's exactly it. It's finding, yeah. yeah it raises the ceiling of possibilities. Yes, it does. Yes, yeah, it does. of what can become real. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, self-awareness, self-worth. I mean, if you take a look at the entire application process, it's just a big test of resilience. One big test of resilience. Okay. What they're doing is filtering out the students that are able to go through that grueling process of the applications, you know, and then if you actually get to the interview portion, right. then these are the students that they're looking for, the students that are going to go through two years, crunching it, you know, just really crushing it, and then maybe even taking on debt, and then being able to get out of there and become successful and do something even greater in their lives. So it's, it's like a, it's like a, army boot camp if you think about it that's what i was yeah that's what i I was going to comment on real quick that uh my husband was a pilot and then he trained pilots and most pilots don't make it through that pilot school and i'm not even talking about the landing because you know how important the landing is (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the most important part i think yeah yeah Yeah, and it comes a lot of it comes down to mindset yes yeah so I, I know that statistically, most pilots have an optimistic mindset as a pattern throughout the industry because they have to land that airplane. <laughs> yeah, they have to believe in the machinery. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that they can do it if they have to lift up out of a valley or, or whatever is the, uh, the landscape or the environment. So I find that fascinating that it's, a, it's really a test of resilience. It is. Interesting. As, as, is, as is much of life or business, you know. It's very rare that you see a business succeed their first or second year. Oh, yeah. It's very rare. And I'm not talking about those businesses that, you know, that start off of with, you know, with like a $10 million offering of their first round of investments. And then, yeah, we made it. No, you actually did it. You only okay. make it when you're actually making that money, right? Um, or even a small, small store. They rarely make, it's just really like, okay, how, how tough can you hang on there? I know. Yeah, and then the the rewards usually come after. And that's just the same as in an MBA setting or in a career path, you know, it's a grueling process for you to get up into a supervisor position, a management position. Right. Yeah. 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 People like easy. Yeah, it's it's very easy to become what I call oh, addicted yeah. to comfort unless oh, yeah. you're self-driven to excel and want more or you're so driven by a vision that you're willing to overcome the critter comforts of, well, if they don't like me, or what if I look bad, or what if they see that I failed the first year or this and the second year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's tough. It's it's definitely it's just human nature. We want the easy way out. We want to, you know, just chill out and do nothing and and enjoy it. But uh, I don't know. I'm not sure that's the way you actually enjoy it. You know, right? Because we have to grow. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you're not really out there ch- changing something, impacting people, impacting the people around you, uh, and you're living on your own, I mean, what good is that to anybody else? I mean, you know, sit down on the couch and watch a Netflix marathon for weeks on end, just eating and, you know, total Chips. couch potato life. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, then there's no way that you're going to look at that and be like, I'm truly happy. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think it also these days in 2021, it comes down to, is someone going to be in service to self or service to others? Truly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. I, that actually brings me to, to uh, 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 something that I truly, truly believe in is that the biggest difference between humans and all of the animals in the world. I mean, you know, the scientists will break down saying that because we have a conscience and whatnot. Uh, I don't think it's that it's because we have the ability to create. We're, we are beings that are creators. We create, right? If, uh, if anybody believes, you know, whoever believes, whoever is really, we talked a little bit about religion, whoever is, a, you know, believes in God. Uh, 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 I believe in the Bible. They say that God created man or woman or humans in his image. And he's a creator. And I think that's the essence of it. We as humans, we are only happy when we create something out of nothing. Yeah. And we see it when we see it flourish. Oh, that's, that's like empowering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We need to create. If we're not creating, we're not happy. I think that's that's like the like the most basic, basic human need is to create something. Yeah. So let me circle back for, for a moment with legacy. Um, I wonder why these MBA schools are now caring about how the candidates look at this subject. I wonder if it's because they want the candidates to have a long-range view or if they want the candidates to be in service to others as a reflection on their institution? Yeah, it's hard to tell the agendas behind those types of questions. Yeah. What I, what I do understand is this. I mean, you get these top schools who have these, uh, let's say, um, Stanford, for example, has a, has, a, has a course. It's like a very touchy-feely course. Okay. For really understanding, uh, you know, how to become an empathetic person, really understanding, getting self-awareness. You know, this is top one, top two schools in the world, right? Uh, and they're really in the whole, in, into the whole emotional thing on making an impact on the world, right? Mm-hmm. Their motto is like, change businesses, change lives, change the world. Which is very interesting. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, mm-hmm. it's very interesting because a lot of MBA schools, I think, have have had a higher priority. Maybe it's changed in the last few years, but higher priority in giving returns to shareholders. But maybe that's changing. What do you mean by giving returns to shareholders? That's the like, reason why they're asking the legacy question. No, no, no. That that that's a priority in the MBA school. That. Um, that the students have to understand that when they graduate and they are at a company, that they need to ha- they need to know how to deliver returns for the shareholders. It's all about the shareholders. Yeah, I mean, most of the schools they want uh, um, faithful alumni who will contribute either you know financially or with their time or with their network, uh, which is what was interesting anyway for the student the first hand to try to get into the school it's just kind of a cycle it's a quid pro quo yeah yeah i don't think that's the that's their priority um because i mean if you think about it these schools there you know they work every day on understanding to the degree of how much does a specific department impact the candidate's performance in a company 10 years down the road 10 years down the line Okay. And if, if we see that they, they're doing this on a daily basis, you know, every day they're refining their questions, they're understanding students more and more and how that impacts the work area, the professional market. Uh, uh, it's the same way, like somebody who, who a, a professional soccer player who kicks, you know, thousands of the, the soccer ball thousands of times a day, you know, he gets to refine things to a in a manner that no normal human being could ever do. I think right. that's what really sets a lot of the MBAs apart is that they really come down to understanding on how do we filter out the type of students we want through the uh, right set of questions. It's more along that line, I think. Uh, as far as like having to appeal to shareholders. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the rule of the land. Um, so one of the startups that I, I advised a few years back, you know, they, they, we were working on their exit strategy they really wanted to open up to IPO, but their whole business was centered, centered around having a positive impact on the end client. And I, and I brought that to them. I'm like, look, so this is, we're at a crossroads here. You're either going to not open up, you know, not go public and continue changing lives, or you're going to go public and forget about everything that you built that's that legacy is gone they're like why would it be gone i was like because the moment you go public 
You're not trying to make your clients happy. You're trying to make your shareholders happy. And that's when you've lost weight. You've lost your way. You're no longer, uh, you're no longer in that mission. Yeah. And they don't want to believe that, but it's the same as any other public company. If you look at their website or whatnot, do you see their mission statement? We want to change lives. But you look at the numbers and you see underpaid workers with terrible working conditions, you know, and it's just like, come on, you know, there's only so much you can do to lie and make a front. But in the end of the day, it's all about the shareholders. And that's, that's kind of like the way I see it, I guess, not just, yeah. yeah. And I think with the transparency from the internet, that uh, buyers, customers, consumers have access to more data points that Mm -hmm. if there is a brand and the brand is saying one thing, uh, mm-hmm. but they're doing another now the, those customers can call it out especially generation z is very vocal yeah 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 i mean i have nothing against people who who own shares or you know yeah, yeah. like that uh, but i just think the market's going to change it's definitely going to change you know you recently we had the whole gamestop the gamestop market share you know uh, yeah just to, just to prove that this is a rigged game you know i don't know i mean I, i'm not for me it's like the impact I want to make, I want to make sure that I have a hand in it and that mm-hmm. I am making the impact. So, uh, you know, one of the startups, I told them, look, I'll be a part of this if we don't have an exit strategy. But if you guys want to open, go public, then I'm out because it's, it's just my personal choice. Nothing you know, more power to those people who want those, you know, millions and billions of, uh, of numbers in their account. Um, yeah. It shifts the control. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It does. Like, you know, on the legacy question, like uh somebody asked me, like, well, what what is your legacy? And I'm like, you know what? What would be cool for me is that uh one day when I'm laid to rest, uh on that day, you know, my sons see the people, see like these CEOs and because I mean that's the close that's what we're prepared, what I'm preparing MBA students for is like CEO roles and entrepreneur big entrepreneurs and i don't know if it's going to get to the point where they're going to come to my funeral but just the thought of like you know having they will. one or two, they will you know hopefully yeah. hopefully <laughs> yeah i tell i tell my sins i'm like you guys are going to forget me in a few years anyway so don't uh you until know. they're lonely at the top of the mountain and they're going where's mateo i think i need him now yeah because <laughs> i'm dealing no, with a I, crisis from these customers yeah, posting know, online but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, but, but if, you know, for me, it's an amazing thought to, to be able to imagine, like, my kids are crying, but they're looking around, they're like, who are these people? Who are these huge players? I mean, that dang, you, you, you know? touch their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then uh, uh, I, I read a joke once that I thought was hilarious, because it's something that I would definitely do just to just to make fun. It's like some guy said that he would he, he thought it would be a great idea to pay like a bunch of like big big bulky italian guys uh to show up on his funeral day like in black suits and and just uh, when it's time to say their goodbyes they come down they touch the coffin and say bye boss oh hilarious and you know if you know it's crazy to think about but i I just cracked up because i think that would be so funny like my my (laughs) kids are watching a line of like 20 huge italian dudes you know just like slick hair and in black suits going like bye boss rest in peace (laughs) that's it i'm gonna be laughing wherever i am in the afterlife doesn't matter but i think that's just enough for you know i think anyway but i that's that's something i want to try to do maybe (laughs) that's good that's good yeah that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So I so I just want to touch upon um, that I didn't know that you stay with your MBA clients for one year in preparing them. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's a rite of passage there. Yes. I mean, um, so now for me, uh, much less in the beginning, we would, I would be, I was there from the beginning to end, you know, as from the moment that began their diagnostic tests and their proficiency test prep- preparation. Uh, but since like at one point my digital consulting services kind of demanded more and more time um now as far as the mba consulting i'm kind of more focused on the interview portion now okay so when the students come to me they've already gone through that long process and they meet me at the end uh for the interview practice 
but the uh, the overall process of it usually takes about a year or a year and a half. Yeah. So yeah. to close out uh, this conversation, are there any good insights? I you know I wrote down like Harvard versus MIT or Harvard versus Columbia. Are there any good insights or secrets you can share? For secrets for some of these top schools. Um, yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be different for each person each profile i think that's the most important thing is to understand all right here's the greatest tip you can do to for any student who's pursuing an mba not sure what schools you want to go to don't think about all right i want to get into harvard well harvard is that you know it's, it's, it's a nice thing to have right it's a nice badge to have uh, on your on your resume but if you really want to understand how to how you fit in and it, which school is the best for you think of it as a relationship you're going into a two-year relationship with the person right What's the best way? What's the best way to see if that person is right for you or that school is right for you? For me, the top secret is talk to 20, 30 of their of their alumni. Ah, good. Yep. They're past customers. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah, if I yeah, wanted yeah. to date a girl, if I wanted to date a girl <laughs> that I had no idea about, what's the first thing I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do recon, right? I'm gonna talk to her friends. I'll be like, hey, look, yo, can I buy you some ice cream? Just want to ask you a few questions. Like, sure. Like, yo, so tell me about your friend, right? And yeah. then that's what I'm going to do. And that's exactly yeah. what you should do as in any of the schools. If you want to know if MIT is right for you, talk to 20, 30 alumni. Just give it a, you know, 10, 20, 30 minute uh, chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, open chat. In the end, you start tallying up the numbers. At one school, you're going to notice that you liked nine out of the 10. Mm-hmm. And in other schools, you're going to be like, i liked one of them the other nine were just total buttheads you know and yeah yeah and then that's that's exactly it you're not going to go to school where everyone there that you've spoken with you you disliked which is great that's very strategic because i think a lot of times uh people buy the marketing too quick the the image yeah yeah and then, yeah. And then they're miserable for two years yeah i have a, a metaphor about that would you like to hear it yes please yeah. So uh, I'm not going to pick my heart surgeon or brain surgeon or whatever based on their marketing. But I know these days people, they look at the marketing and how good are you at the marketing? And I think that the, the skill set of coaching and advisory is very different than the skill set of marketing. And there are That's two, to- the same thing with being a surgeon. The, the surgeon might be very good at what they do, but to hold a conversation with them might be a complete chore. But you know what? Yeah. I don't need them to be charming. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's totally true. That's actually correct. Now, yeah, what you need is actually in a surgeon scenario, what I would do is just find out how many of their patients are still alive. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? But if, if they don't know how to dress or wear a pinstripe suit, like doesn't matter. <laughs> Does not so matter. I think that's a great distinction that you're talking about, you know, doing mm-hmm. a little recon to not just mm-hmm. buy like their their motto, their slogan, their logo or so forth. Yeah. 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 Okay, so when we okay, I've got two more questions before we officially officially wrap. Sure. So, uh, what values do you get to honor by what you're doing today, um, knowing that you are building your legacy right now? You are defining, developing, and executing, especially with two sons that are watching dad and. Yeah, that's I think I the mean, number one number the one thing that guides me is my north star, is uh, uh you know. If my kids grew up to be the man I am today, who am I today? So that's the one thing that I'm thinking about every time that I'm making a decision is like, what kind of a decision can I make in this situation that I would like my kids to make, hopefully through emulation? Okay. Uh, uh, um, um, so that kind of, that's kind of what guides my moral compass now is like, what kind of men do I want them to grow to be? And that's going to be directly impacted by the kind of man I am. And it's tough because being a parent, like, okay, so my kids are seven and five. I'm still figuring it out as I go along. And it's, it's just like, I, I'm asking, you know, I'm asking like my uncle, like, hey, how'd you do it? You know, or ask my, my stepdad, you know, how'd you do it? It's like, dude, we still don't know, man. Shut up. You're never going to know. You know, it's just, mm. it's, it's an evolving thing. You're never going to know all the answers. So you just got to do your best, treat others kindly right and yeah. uh, uh and and you know stop 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 the negativity i guess it's just you know it's, yeah stop the negativity stop hurting people yeah or, or yeah. trying to defend you you know it's just like yeah just be nice i mean 
I don't know. I don't know what else to really say. I mean, because if you see like the, for, for example, the political divide today of the United States, it's just crazy. Yeah. But then you go into these little pockets of society of smaller communities, like, you know, uh, so I'm usually, I'm, I'm, I'm usually in North Carolina, uh, Chapel Hill once okay. a year. And it's just like, you don't feel there's no impact on, on the political scenario that you see on Facebook, for example. On Facebook, you open it up and it's just like civil war, right? Yeah, people are throwing shade. Yeah. Yeah, total yeah. shade, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, you see somebody, like me as an Asian, you know, you see somebody getting an Asian got attacked in New York or something. Uh, uh, but it's not something like that you feel like in smaller communities. And, I'm, and I've always thought about that. I was like, you know, People are going to always say that the world is going crazy. I think that's wrong. I think people have always been crazy. We're just <laughs> seeing more and more of it because yeah. so many people have their own cameras, right? We yeah, all have yeah, our yeah. own news reporter. We're all, everyone's their own news reporter nowadays. So we tend to see more of it. But if everyone just laid down their flags a little bit, just kind of like, all right, what can I do to help them? You know, and not what are they doing to help me? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I yeah. think that's the, if that's everybody the thought of it. Well, I mean, no, no, just, just, just entitlement, but it's, it's just, if we all stop to think about what I could do to help the person next to me and that other person's thinking about how they can help me, whatnot, it's just, it's just one of those, it's going to be a nice harmonious cycle of just people trying to do good unto each other. Yeah. But whenever we start thinking about, well, what are, what are you doing? What's the government doing to help me? What's yeah. my what's my company that I work for doing to help me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what's it changes my the energy? It does. Yeah, 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 yeah. It does. It does. Because, you know, I think I think deep inside we have a very bottomless pit. You know, it's not it cannot be satisfied. It's it cannot. There's nothing in this world that's going to satisfy that desire to fill our, you know, and some people will substitute that with food or drugs or, you know, or, or, you know, some sort of an addiction. The uh, distractions. Yeah. Yeah. To try to fill that void. And it's just not possible. It's impossible. Yeah. You can get you gotta the, do that inner in work. the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for the self-awareness. Yeah. 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 You get, the, but then that's, which is why I say, you know, but you can pull out from that void. Why not take that hurt and try to bring it and transform it into something that allows somebody else not to hurt? Yeah. And that, and that is also, uh, how do you say, infinite. You know, if you just keep yes. taking out of that void that can never be filled, right. you can never stop being able to give, so to speak, in, in one way or another. So anyway, that's like my philosophy of life, if that was the question you were asking. Yeah, Sorry. that's lovely. That's lovely. <laughs> and, and if you were to name one value that you get to honor each each day as you are defining developing executing your legacy what would you say one value gratitude. might be oh, gratitude okay. thankful okay. thankful thankful okay. thankful i i've you know i always say one of the, the most things that the, the first thing i say to my kids when i see them in the morning is uh thank you for thank you for today thank you for waking up i mean we, do, we don't know when our time is going to come i don't know if i'm going to die in my bed you know like yeah, yeah 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 you don't yeah. know you don't yeah. know yeah. You know, a lot of people think that it's something that I'm going to understand when it comes, when it happens, but nobody ever expects to die. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so every time I, <laughs> and this is the scariest feeling, not being able to wake up. I love sleeping, but when you're in, not, if you cannot wake up and you're in a different world, then it's like, damn, you know, yeah, that was my chance to make an impact. But yeah. so when I do wake up, I open my eyes. I'm just really thankful that, okay, I got another day. I got one more day to fix what I did wrong yesterday and, and do a little bit better today. And then I see my kids wake up in the morning. I'm just like, Hey, thank you. Thank you for waking up. What a great day. I'm so happy that you woke up. I mean, you know, think about it. It goes both ways, right? What if yeah, one yeah, of my yeah. kids goes, you know, in the middle of the night and, and that's it, you know, that's good. That's it. Yeah. So, so yeah, very, very filled with, gratitude in the morning when i see them waking up when i see my family up and then for me that just gets me going so connection and yeah. meaning yes yeah. yes yeah, yeah. lovely yeah. well thank you mateo for sharing your thoughts about the mba admissions process what these schools are looking for and talking so deeply also about the subject of legacy uh, whether it's asking these candidates to dig deep regarding how they would like to be remembered or if it's just their, um, you know, uh, pulling out their authenticity, their humanity, 
that they, uh, you know, don't have to just hide behind the good grades. They can also show up and, and be real and, and the world needs that right now. So thank you for sharing your insights and also how to cheat an interview. Cause uh, yeah, a lot of times people think it's uh, complicated and, and it comes back down to humans. You know, we're humans. We want to connect as humans and, and that's the, the lovely part. So, so any other closing thoughts before we wrap? Yeah, no, no. I just uh, just want to thank you as well for the opportunity and for reaching out. And this was really fun. This is great. Good, good. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and you know, if you whoever wants to reach out and say what's up to you know, there's you know, my website, my emails there, or, you know, YouTube. Where it's just that's not hard. Just type in Mateo Chang on Google, and, and you can connect in one way or another. Uh, but thank you, Angelina. Thank you for this. And also very, uh, I appreciate your efforts into spreading this, 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 this idea of legacy and how we want to be remembered and how we impact other people in the world. I think we need more of that. Thank so you. Good on thank you. you. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Okay. So on that note, uh, please uh, like and subscribe and share with your family and friends. And we look forward to more legacy conversations to add to this series. So thank you so much for joining. Bye, y'all.